I want to start tonight by giving you a bit of a story, really, um, a story of the journey that we believe, oh, sorry, John, no, it's okay, uh, a story of the reason why we believe that God drew us here to Warrington um, to start Church Collective. Now, I know many of you have heard this story, and a number of you have lived this story with us, because you joined us very soon, either right at the beginning or even before we started. So I want to start with the story, and then I want to move from that story to look at some scripture. We're going to look at the Feeding the 5,000 in a particular context of what it is for us to be Church Collective. And then finally, I want to give a vision for what I want these gatherings to be and what we really believe Jesus is calling us to do in this time, every first Sunday of the month. And I guess why we haven't done this up to this point and why the frequency is monthly in addition to the collective, the church uh, that you are a part. So that's where we're going. Story, scripture, and then vision. Now, cast your mind back. We, we talk about COVID still loads, don't we? we? We kind of haven't really moved fully past COVID, nor will we ever. But cast your mind back to the depths of COVID. And um, I was doing my curacy, which means like sort of training to be a vicar. And um, we had this real stirring in us that God was calling us to something. We didn't know what it was. We, we knew it was church planting in some way. We just felt that uh, traditional Anglican church was uh, amazing for many vicars. But for, for me and for Hannah and the family, we just felt that God was prompting us to, to do something different. And we also had this sort of strange, and I, I do use the word strange, not because the place is strange, but just because it was sort of reoccurring in this sort of strange calling to Warrington. Hannah and I had never lived in Warrington. Um, I had never heard of Warrington prior to moving to Liverpool. And even actually when I moved to Liverpool, I'd hardly really heard of the place anyway. But there was this reoccurring sort of sense that God was calling us to Warrington. I get this phone call from one of the uh, people in the diocese that sorts jobs out, um, asking me to look at what it might be to church plant in Warrington. And it was a bit of one of those moments of, okay, th this might be something that we need to look at here. I remember it so clearly. It was uh, Hannah's 30th birthday. I know she doesn't look that old, of course. But it was Hannah's 30th birthday. And um, it was the day before, sorry, I'd, I'd had an interview to come and plant something here. There was no brief. It was just plant something here in Warrington, particularly to try and engage with the younger generation, particularly those under 30 that maybe weren't accessing sort of regular parish church. I had the interview on the Friday and, and Bishop Bev, um, who is one of our bishops in the Liverpool Diocese, um, phoned me up half an hour later and said, we, we want you to do the job. I said, thank you, that's so kind, but I need some time to just really think about it and discern if this was right. There were so many unknowns, even though we'd had this calling to Warrington and even though we knew we wanted a church plant, it was still that process of testing what that looked like. Hannah's birthday was on the Saturday. And uh, this is my dad here, and my mum's looking after the kids. But we were meeting with them and my sister and her family, and we were going on a walk um, to these woods near where we lived at the time up in Southport. 
And I got this message from a, a, a dear friend saying, I've been praying for you and I think that God has this word for you. Now, it wasn't quite as obvious as the interview that you had yesterday is an absolute yes, you should go for it and you should move to Warrington. It wasn't quite that explicit. But all the fears and the concerns I had about doing something different here in Warrington, a place that we felt called to but that we didn't know at all, this uh, three-part prophetic word spoke into each and every one of those fears and concerns that we had. I remember um, just literally getting the phone out of my pocket and Hannah's beside me and the rest of the family uh, are walking along this road and I just burst out crying. If you know me, you know that as soon as the Holy Spirit comes upon me, I cry. And also if I just watch a soppy film, I cry. I'm, I'm very... I'm very into crying, it seems. But it was absolutely this Holy Spirit moment of, Hannah, we, we need to sacrifice. And we need to trust that God is calling us to something here in Warrington. That was August the 2nd, Hannah's birthday. We moved October 20, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, October 2020, um, in October half term, so a few months later to Warrington. I finished my curacy whilst being here in this town, discerning what God was calling us to do. And for all intents and purposes, the diocese were asking us to set up a resource church, which if that language doesn't mean anything to you, it's like a, a big attractional church drawing people into one space to then be a real effective uh, resource for mission to gather in that one space weekly to then go out on mission in the week. And there's a few problems with that when we arrived. One, there wasn't a church building that we could inhabit. We tried a few, all the doors were closing. At two, from an Anglican perspective, from, so from a Church of England perspective, there wasn't a vacant parish for Hannah and I to inhabit. And there was this niggle in me about what church could be. So aligning all those three things together, it got to about the February-March time of the following year, so 21. And Hannah and I just looked at each other and we were like, God is calling us to do something different here. Let's look at scripture about what it might be that God is calling us to. Hannah and I had had experience in two previous churches of something called missional communities. Missional communities were uh, groups of people that would gather in the week. So they'd gather on a Sunday for church, but they'd gather in the week to be a missional force in their local area. And the, the sort of premise of that was threefold. To worship God, to pray, to read the Bible, to focus on him, study him, in summary, a word, we call that up. And we then had in, which was community. What does it look like to be community together on mission? And then thirdly, out, which was what could it be for us to be on mission? So Hannah and I had, had experience of this kind of church context. And as we looked in scripture, looked at those, dare I say, ancient and forgotten ways that the church was in Acts. We saw that these missional communities, solely by themselves, were church. We couldn't think of anything else, and the Holy Spirit didn't prompt us in any other way to define church outside of 
up worship of God, prayer, Bible study, in community and what it looks like to love each other and out that mission. We, we, we couldn't find anything else. And then we landed on what is now a church collective. And we said that these groups that we felt God call us to plant, these microchurches is the language that we call them, our collectives, were to do those three things, which is we invite everyone to play their part, because a microchurch can't happen without everyone playing their part, as we worship creatively, i.e. up, i.e. what does it look like for us the dream of those houses in Acts where they gathered together, they broke bread together, they read scripture, well, they didn't read scripture, it was an oral tradition, but they heard stories of Jesus at that time. They studied who Jesus was and what he was calling them as the church to do in their homes, around the table. Worship creatively. We wanted to inhabit what that might look like. Love generously. You may know the passage, but... Acts 2, where the disciples together with those who were gathering together in their homes, they didn't see anyone without needs because they pulled everything they had, because they loved each other so much that they wanted everybody in their home, in that community, to be supported, to be loved, to work through what it was that Jesus was calling them to do together. But yet, they didn't just meet in the home. If you know those Acts stories, they met in two other places. They met in the marketplace, and in the marketplace was where everything happened in society at that time. So you'd go there and you would, yes, buy your groceries and supplies, etc. But you would also meet people for coffee. You would debate. You would have schools in those environments. It was where everyone went to in the day. They got work from the marketplace and then would go out and work in the fields, etc. That was a gathering place. And we see those churches, those groups of people who would meet in the home, going out into those marketplaces and being disciples in those places, outworking what it might look like to, in our final uh, little bit there, to serve locally in those places. And Hannah and I, along with uh, Mark and Sarah and a few others, just had this, this prayerful dream of what it might be for church collective to have different collectives, different of these communities, dotted around Warrington in those different marketplaces, where people are, so that we could go and be church in those places. So then, uh, September 21, I had to put my dates in there. September 21, we planted the first collective, which is Howley Collective, which is one of the ones that meets on a Sunday, and that one meets in the morning. But we had this dream to do this because we felt that the Holy Spirit was calling us to, but we also saw that discipleship could look different from what we had already experienced in our gathered church contexts. Now, 
the two definitions of discipleship that I tend to use quite often, one is on the screen, I'll go through that in a second, but the other is, uh, what is God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? So what is God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? That's one definition that is widely used. The second definition, which is this one, is from uh, John Mark Comer. You know I am all a bit of a fanboy of his. But it is, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. So as we grow and develop in our discipleship journey, we are called to be with Jesus, spend time with him, rest and bask at his feet as we pray, as we hear from him, as we study his word. We are to be with Jesus in those silent moments and in those moments like we've had just before as we are worshipping and glorifying Jesus for all that he is and all that he has done. If we spend time in anything, if we spend time looking at scripture in prayer and reading about who Jesus was, we are, pray God, naturally going to therefore become like Jesus. The one we are following, the one we are saying we want to be with Jesus, the person that we're following, we are naturally going to become like him. There is intentionality there, but we are naturally, as we just... Oh, just get deep into the scripture and deep into prayer. We're going to know who he is and we're going to know what he's asking us to do. What is God saying to you? What are you going to do about it? And then there is the go and do what Jesus did. Because discipleship isn't just in the place of solitude or in a small community. It is about going out. And as we have been with Jesus and become like Jesus, we go out and do what he has done and calls us to do. The issue with this, I know, if you know me, I'm going to say something against this model, which is against John Mark Comer. I repent of that. <laughs> I really do. He won't be listening to this podcast. He's far too important. The issue with this is that we can fall into the trap that this is linear can't we? We can fall into the traps that our discipleship journey has to start with being with Jesus and we need to stay there for ages because I, I, how on earth could I go to stage three, go and do what Jesus did, if I, if I don't know anything about Jesus? So you know what? Uh, we're going to gather people and we're going to uh, commit to five years of discipleship training. In a, in a really like, insular way, and we're just going to get them to read the Bible. We're going to read it five times, and we're going to pray through it, and we're going to learn like, you know, Psalms off by heart. And the script. I'm being sarcastic for, uh, to make the point, rather than I'm being disrespectful. But be with Jesus, we can fall into the trap that we just stay there. I need to be a better person. I need to be more like Jesus before I can then go and do what he is calling me to. Become like Jesus. Well, you know what? When I've spent those five years with Jesus, I, I might be a little bit more like him. So therefore mean that then I can now step out because now, at that point, I can go and do what Jesus asks me to do, which is go on mission and go and tell people about who he is and what he has done. 
And only at that point, after a few years of that real in-depth training, would I ever be ready to go out on mission. Let's just see if Scripture says the same thing, whether it is linear or whether it's something else. Um, Grab your phones, there's Bibles around. So Mark 6 from verse 30. The apostles gathered round Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not have even a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. And it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He said. Go and see. When they found out, they they said, five and and two fish. Then Jesus told them to make all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples and distributed them to the people. He also divided the fish amongst them They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. I want you, just for a moment, to scan that. And I want you to just amongst yourselves, just in little groups, because this is what we do at Church Collective. We do like to talk. We do like to invite you to play your part, as I said before. I want you to find those places where the disciples are with Jesus, the disciples are becoming like Jesus, and the disciples go and do what Jesus asked them to. So where are the disciples with Jesus? Where are they becoming like Jesus? And where are they going out and doing what he's calling them to. I'll just go through where I saw where Jesus, uh, where the disciples are with Jesus, become like him and do what he did. And then I'm going to draw it into a reflection of what I think is the sweet spot, which is where we need to be inhabiting. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. I love how they had already been out. Yeah? The disciples had already been out and they had been on mission already because they were coming back to Jesus and reporting what had happened. Jesus, fully God, didn't need the report, but he wasn't with them. 
Otherwise, they wouldn't have, in their humanness, they wouldn't have felt the need to report to Jesus what had happened, yeah? So, let's just uh, look. We're in Mark 6. Has Jesus finished all of his teaching to the disciples by the point of Mark 6? No. Okay? Great. You know where I'm going. The apostles gather around Jesus and report to him all they've done. So, they start with the mission. But then they are with him. And let's not brush over verse 31, where Jesus says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. That is very clearly, be with Jesus, isn't it? That is a command for the disciples, come with me. As much a command as an invitation, come with me. So they went by themselves in, uh, to a boat, to a solitude place. And you can imagine that boat journey, that Jesus is talking with them, hearing more about what's going on, speaking into the things that happened when the disciples were out. So the disciples are both with Jesus at that time, but they are naturally becoming more like him as he explains and he debriefs and he answers their questions. And they're just with him at his feet, and they are coming to be more like him. Um, Verse 34, when they landed, Jesus uh, saw the crowd. He had compassion on them, and they began teaching them many things. You can imagine the disciples, can't you? Like, there's like annoyance there. Like, can you just give us some time with Jesus? And I kind of think that riffs into verse 35. By this time, it was very late. That seems like an excuse. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. I'm sure there is a level of compassion on the disciples as they become more like Jesus. They're wanting to feed the people that are in front of them. But I also think there's a, this was our time. We were having a nice time in the boat with Jesus, and you've all followed round the lake. We want to be with Jesus. We don't want to go out because it's really comfortable being in the place where we're with Jesus, isn't it? Becoming like him. That, that's, that's the place that we want to be. There's that annoyance there. But then there's a switch. The go and do what Jesus did. Verse 37, he answered, you give them something to eat. <laughs> and the response, it's like this fear of dread. Ah, but, that, but that would take more than half a year's wage. Are we to go out and spend all that money on bread and give them to eat? It's an excuse, isn't it? It's an excuse. We don't want to do that. We, we want to be with you, Jesus. We want to be with you and become like you because that's where we want to be. That's where we want to inhabit ourselves. Anyway, Jesus being who he is, says again. But how many loaves do you have? Go and see. The second time they go out and they obviously find the five loaves and the two fish. So I think up to this point, there's been a bit of this. A bit of overlap with the be with Jesus, become like Jesus and do what Jesus did. There's probably been a bit in that center which we all know these diagrams, the, the, the ideal is the center, but, it, but there seems to be still quite a lot of overlap with it all. But then I think something shifts here. Then Jesus told them to go and sit all the people down. Jesus takes the loaves and the fish. He breaks the bread. He, he performs a miracle. It is Jesus that performs the miracle. 
And although scripture doesn't say it, I can imagine that the disciples are there in front of Jesus as he's breaking the bread. I can't imagine, there's 5,000 men there, so, you know, 10, 15,000 people. I can't imagine they're the other side of the field whilst Jesus is doing that miracle. Because then we see the disciples go out and distribute all the food to the people. So the disciples, whilst Jesus is performing his miracle, the disciples are there with him. And as they are there with him, and as they have been in the boat, they are becoming like him. And even in this um, story that we hear, they haven't wanted to go out. They then did go out, and now they go out again. And they go out and they give the breads and the fish to people. And we all know the story that there's far more than there ever was prior to it. I think in that moment, it's this. I think at that moment, when they are with Jesus, watching him do the miracle, and in that five minutes of getting their baskets and going out, they overlap in all those circles, in all those ways, so that there is this perfect sweet spot of be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and go and do what he did. This, friends, if I'm just going to skip back, this is what Hannah and I and others dreamt could be as part of the collectives. When we said, let's gather people together and everyone play their part as we worship together, be with Jesus. Let's do it in a creative way, but let's be together, let's worship, let's honour Jesus. We're going to worship people together, um, we're going to worship God creatively together. Love generously. As we become like Jesus in community, the disciples were in community with one another, becoming like the person that they were following. And they were then going out and serving locally in our language, but going and doing as Jesus did. What they didn't do is they didn't stay in one of those first two places they got the sweet spot. So this is why Church Collective does what it does. Because we are inviting people to play their part as we worship creatively, love generously, and serve locally in the place of mission, whatever that might be, wherever that is, wherever that marketplace is in Warrington, that's what we're saying we're asking people to do. And we believe that is the point, the sweet spot where all three of those perfectly align together. That is where discipleship happens. Let me ask you this one question. Just ponder this in your head. Don't, don't share it. Where has the biggest growth of your faith happened? Just think about it for yourself. Where has the biggest place of growth happened in your faith? If I was to ask you to pick a single moment, a single event, where that might be, just ponder it. And let me ask you this. Was that moment 
the moment when you were out on mission. Because for myself, those biggest moments of growth are when I have to step out in faith and I get nervous going out. I get nervous going into those marketplaces. I get nervous uh, just speaking to different people that I don't know about Jesus, although I'm paid to do it. There is that nervousness in me that I have to step out of my comfort zone into that place. And I know for me, those significant moments of growth in my faith have been when I've been on mission. And whilst I've been on mission, I wholeheartedly believe that I have been with Jesus and become like Jesus as I am out on mission. So what I'm not doing is I'm not singling out necessarily, if I just go back, I'm not singling out the go and do what Jesus did bit, but I definitely know that in those moments, I have really grown. Yeah, I can tell you loads of occasions where I've been in a worship service, or I've been in my bedroom reading the Bible, and I've met profoundly with the Holy Spirit, and I've had significant growth moments in my discipleship as I become like him. Yet there's been loads of those. But may I suggest that that real sweet spot of discipleship growth is when all three align together. Okay, that's my plug for what discipleship looks like in Church Collective. But why are we here and what is this? What is this collective gathering? And we've uh, chosen three key words of worship, teaching and commissioning. Well, let me start with what this is not. And then I'll say what I think this is. And this is what we're going to do then in these next few months going forward. What this is not is this is not, I don't believe, the ultimate place of growth in our discipleship. Because... Of those three things, what are we not doing in this moment right now? Please answer. Going out. We are being with Jesus and pray God becoming like him, but we are not going out and doing what Jesus did. So I would say that this space here is lacking something. This is not the place where I believe you will fully and utterly grow in those real big steps of faith in your discipleship. This is also not fully church. Of course, this is a part of church. We are the body of Christ meeting together. But this is not fully church in the way that we as church collective define it. Because we define church as a place where we invite everyone to play their part as we worship creatively, love generously, and serve locally. So this is not a place where we can fully and utterly grow in our discipleship, dare I say. You can come back to me later, it's fine. You're being very polite and not interrupting me, that's okay. I appreciate that, but you can come back and say if you disagree. And this is not a full expression of church. But therefore, what is this? And therefore, why are we doing this? And why are we doing this two years in, not from day one? We want this place to be a place of equipping, resourcing, encouragement. It is really tough when you are out in that marketplace 
on the front line, week in, week out, giving all of yourself to the people that God has called you to minister to. It is really tough when you put yourself out there in a space and nobody comes. It is really tough I'm going to use our wonderful example of the other day. When we go to the university, in that marketplace, there's a few hundred students there, and we are talking with people, but people aren't necessarily wanting to come and gather in a way because, well, we need to build relationships, and we we need to be really stepping out, and we need to be um, engaging with people there. That can be really tough when we spend a load of time prepping and resourcing something, and it doesn't quite work out as we hope. Do we give up? Too right. We do not. But maybe where we do need to come is to a place of encouragement, equipping, resourcing, being filled afresh with the Spirit, so that in these next three weeks, when we go to the uni, it's going to be a boss, and we are going to be filled (laughs) and equipped and resourced for what it is God, we believe, is calling us to do there. If we put this on every week, this would start to feel like church. And that's why we have not done it up to this point, and which is why we are only doing it monthly. Because this, for many of us here, and, and for my whole child, teenage, 20s journey, this here, gathering in a space, behind closed doors, singing songs to Jesus, hearing a relatively moderate preach, although I did hear preachers for many years under my dad, so they were ace, always. (laughs) But you know, hear a preach, this feels like church, what we've done tonight, doesn't it? This feels like the kind of thing that we're used to. But yet I'm saying it's not the full expression of what church can be. Because the full expression of what church can be and the place where we are going to make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, you know the phrase, is in this place where we are with Jesus and we become like him and we go and do as he did. Uh, John, James, can I invite you to come forward? Um, We're going to have a bit of time just to really seek the Lord now and ask him what it looks like for us to be in this space. What does it look like for us to be here? Why have we come? What are we asking God of? What is God asking of us? And so we're just going to wait on him. So if you're able and you want to, please stand. I'm going to lead us in a bit of a prayer. I want us to respond in this moment. Lord, it's a privilege to gather here together tonight. May what I've said not detract from this place of resourcing, of equipping, of encouragement, of gathering as the body of Christ, but with the full intention to be sent out to that place where in that perfect sweet spot of your discipleship, we are with you, Jesus to become like you as we are in the marketplace doing what you are calling us to do. So Lord, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you come and you minister to us, you speak to us.
May none of us leave this place, Lord, without knowing what you are saying to us in this moment and for this next month ahead. We invite everyone to play their part as we worship creatively, love generously and serve locally.